0: Thank you for listening to Caleb vs. Self. On this episode, I get to talk with Quajay Donnell, mostly known for his public wall art photography, but also as a general photographer and writer. We talk about his beginnings with the Waterbury Observer and a large influence with John Murray, how his father's passing pushed him to get back into the creative space, and how he ended up documenting the I Am Speaking mural here in Rochester. You can find Q on Instagram at quajay. And on Twitter, at Quajay, spelled Q-U-A-J-A-Y. And in the link tree below, there's tons more information on Q and all of his work. I hope you enjoy. So I know we briefly kind of talked about it beforehand, but we're going to go with Q at this point. But at the very beginning, let's go all the way to the start. In, what is it, Waterbury, Connecticut, correct? Waterbury, Connecticut, yep. And you as a, what, 15, 16-year-old, junior, sophomore in high school, go to the uh, Waterbury? I think, was, I think it was
1: 16, so, so legally okay. able to work, so 16,
0: yeah. Oh, is that a very important distinction right now? Is someone going to come after uh, you? I don't know. You? I don't
1: think so. I just <laughs> I, I remember being 16 and my mom saying, you should probably get a job. I, I, I gotcha. do remember okay. that kind of that conversation, so I think it was right around
0: that time that's fair that's fair but what prompted you to go to the Waterbury Observer and say hey I'm trying to do something can I do it here uh, it was
1: interesting so these so I had uh, some you know small interactions with the publication my stepfather had been on the cover uh, he was running the housing department uh, in Waterbury at the time and so I was familiar with the paper and they were opening an office probably three blocks from my house uh, so it was on the bus route it was a place that I would walk by, you know, on the way to the playground to play basketball or whatever, uh, or to a friend's house. And I remember they were moving stuff in, and I just I walked in and I said, "Hey, uh, I love to write some stories, and uh, I love to write some stories about positive things happening in the city, uh, specifically around youth." And the publisher turned and looked at me and said, "All right, well, the deadline's Tuesday," uh, and that really started that that journey for me. And the publisher, uh, John Murray still a friend and mentor and that was I mean I don't want to age myself too much but you know sure uh, 25 30 it was a long time ago that we've known each other and that we've you know been connected um to one another and you know he kind of took me under his wing and you know a lot of what I do today uh is informed by you know being a 16 17 year old uh at a newspaper you know covering some pretty uh, in-depth um stories at the time and you know, with a lot of different, uh, you know, really good people that work there.
0: How important was that? I guess I'll call it a mentorship, if you will, from John at that stage in your life, being able to learn everything that you learned and and kind of absorb from him. How important was that for you?
1: I I think it was I think it was huge to me. You know, this is this is also during a time where, um, you know, we're working a lot in film. Uh, So I learned you know, dark room. So I went into the dark room and you know developed film. I learned how to kind of compose images and and kind of you know being quiet while documenting moments. So you know you've got a camera, but how can you you know make sure people aren't looking at you in the camera while you're working? You know, really around storytelling. John had this you know very fascinating um, background. So as a photojournalist, as a as a then you know who then became a publisher uh, and writer as well, you know, but he had traveled to India and Africa and lived in Alaska and he had these stunning images. And you'd wonder like, how do you get, you know, this type of type of image? And he would say, well, first I, I build trust with who I'm working with. uh, But I also want to see the things that the tourists aren't seeing uh, and kind of get into the nitty gritty. So a lot of those, you know, I, I still remember a lot of those early conversations where, you know, I would be in a room and, you know, the mayor would be there uh, because they were interviewing the mayor in a roundtable discussion. And I'm, you know, 17 years old. And it was, it was an interesting experience because I would, you know, I remember at the time, you know, this is 1995, 94. uh, And, you know, I had written probably a dozen articles and they were like, Hey, we want you to work here. You know, we got a job for you. I answered the phones. I did uh, press releases, you know, typing in press releases. So I, you know, you know, thinking about what I was learning in school in terms of taking like a typing class. And then I would, my job was typing. So I'm like incredibly fast at, uh, you know, typing press releases and, you know, kind of learning some of that editing early on, like, okay, there's a four paragraph press release. We need to get it down to, you know, one paragraph and a headline. And that was my job at 18 years old. And uh, I remember, uh it might have been my senior year and you know, the newspaper was a small paper, so it was, you know, less than five of us working there. And there was a point where it was John and I. And uh, the newspaper needed to come out. I'm, you know, a, a senior in high school. And John was like, the paper's coming out or it's not. And I was like, I can do it. And I remember laying out this newspaper, you know, as a senior in high school, went home, went to bed, woke up the next morning, and there was this newspaper that I had published. Uh, not published, but laid out, and was very, you know, integral in you know making sure that 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 you know paper you know kind of continued on in that that one moment, and that really, um, I think that one moment amongst many others kind of solidified our ongoing relationship with you know John and I, and I've kind of dipped back and forth, you know, living in Rochester now, but I've dipped back and forth to to Connecticut and have helped um, or stepped in, and it's like riding a bike sometimes.
0: Gotcha. So it's relatively easy to get back onto it once you've kind of established how to do everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it was it, like, I remember, you know, there was no YouTube, um, right? Like you had to read right. the book to learn how to do the things that were being done. And at the time it was PageMaker. And so I'm like, well, I'll just hit some buttons. I'll figure some stuff out. And I had been paying attention to, you know, the folks that had been doing the work. So I would ask, oh, you hit command this. What does that mean? What did you just do? How did you lay this out? Uh, and this was also during a time where all the pages were printed out we had to do a paste up so ads got pasted on pictures got pasted on cut lines got pasted on then we hopped in a car drove it to the printer the printer made it into negatives and mechanicals and then they did the whole thing um and when i left the paper uh, i was probably 22 or 23 um and so i was still kind of involved with john a little bit and then i mm-hmm. came back to the paper um maybe I was 26 or 27 somewhere in that range and everything had changed uh and so John and I were learning the process again the 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 publisher that he was the the printer that he was using was like hey we can't do this mechanical thing anymore it needs to be digital so John was kind of in this hurry to go digital and so we learned how to go digital in a month like you know just at this point there was some youtube and so we were able to like check it out and kind of figure out what what was what, but, um, you know, it was interesting going from page maker to InDesign to Photoshop, you know, going from the dark room into Photoshop and, but all of those things kind of played into each other.
0: Sure. And, and as that continues to progress on to today, I'm sure that in, in photography as a whole, things change constantly, right? Oh yeah. Does that, did that transition also kind of help you and inform you on how to make sure to keep up on, you know, having the, whether it be editing software or cameras or lenses, does that also help inform your decision making for that?
1: Uh, you know, I've never been uh I've never been much of a gear person. You know, I okay. like, you know, I I have gear. Um, and I think as things change, I'm like, oh, maybe I should, you know, invest a little bit more. But I think about going from the dark room to Photoshop was an easier transition for me because you know, dodge and burn, there were a lot of different things that you were doing in the in the dark room that now you're gonna do. Um, you're going to do, you know, in a computer program. And so you're able to understand the concept of it. The same with when, you know, I transitioned from using film, uh, over to digital and being like, okay, what's the, uh, you know, what are these different settings? Okay. How did those settings work when I was using it, when I was using an analog camera versus when I'm using a digital. So to me, it was a, it was an easier transition. Um mm-hmm. you know, because it was like, hey, these these pieces are the same. They're just doing different things. And, you know, I still sometimes still keep that film mentality in my mind where when you have, you know, 36 exposures, that's it. Like you're done. Um, and maybe some of them are blurry, maybe some of them are whatever. And so then when you go digital, you're able to preview. Um, but then in that preview, you don't want to take a thousand photos. Like no one wants to look at a thousand photos and post. Like that's not fun at all. So I would still think of, okay, is this a moment? You know, Mm. is this something that I need to capture, whether it's, you know, when I'm out on assignment, you know, capturing public art, or even when I'm with family, like, is this the moment, like, I want to capture something, you know, I'm waiting for, you know, maybe four or five frames, as opposed to, I'm just going to rattle off a 1000 frames, because I can and the memory card will allow me to do it, like, you still have to go through it.
0: Yeah. What's the thought process in finding that moment? Is that something that you've just kind of cultivated over years with intuition? Or is there something really you're focused in on to find those moments?
1: Uh, I think everything is a little different. Every moment's a little different. And sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it's intentional. Like, wow, I think I should capture this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, a family moment, right? My grandmother's holding, you know, one of her great-grandchildren. Like, this is a moment. Like, I should capture this Sometimes it's accidental. Right. Um, you know, I think of uh, Sean Dunwoody painting the word enough on the side of Sio Street, uh, City Blue Imaging, you know, in days after George Floyd, me being there. in that moment was totally accidental. And um, it, it, I didn't realize how much of a moment it was until I looked at the one photo that I took from the 45 minutes uh, that I was down there talking to him about what was going on in America, both pandemic and, um, you know, kind of what was going on in terms of social injustices and, in, in the world, right? Like, but and sometimes it is like, you know, it's, it can be dumb luck. Um, and sometimes it is, it's intentional, like, okay. But if I get, I feel like if you get too much in your head, you're like, I got to get the moment. Where's the moment where I'm chasing the moment. Uh, you miss, you actually miss the moment and then yeah. you're kind of, um, playing catch up.
0: Huh. I, I think after reading a lot as well about you, one of the things that I think I saw a piece of advice is just to like be out there, be present. Is that half the battle? Just being wherever you think things are going to happen for you to document.
1: Yeah, I think it's that's the that's the biggest part. I, I've I've had that question asked to me a, a, a ton of times. People say, "Well, you know, how do you you know you, you seem to be really successful in you know what you're doing and and I agree that there's there a level of success, but most of it is just presence. Um mm-hmm. being there in a moment. Um, and sometimes, like I said, the the Sean Dunwoody piece, uh, you know, folks are like, what did you shoot that with? What was the, you know, what was your camera setting? Guess what? It was my cell phone, uh, and then my camera was in a car and I didn't feel like interrupting a conversation uh to go back and get it to make it seem like I was there to you know, do something different. Like I was there to have a conversation with Sean. I see him painting. I pull my cell phone out. I take one photo. I put my cell phone away. Uh, Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is just, just being there. People are like, you know, how did you, you know, know, how did you get involved with, you know, this publication or how did you, you know, how did your photograph end up here? And a lot of it is just, just showing up, you know, just showing up and, you know, uh, and, and and being there and you know a lot of times it's just being in those those moments of whatever's happening.
0: yeah, I that's interesting as far as trying to get that to people, right? You just mentioned that you have that question a lot of the times, but really it's just about being out there, being wherever you think things are going to happen. So for you, with that, in Rochester, I mean, I feel like a lot of people that live in Rochester don't really realize how much there is going on in Rochester. Yeah. Are there ways that you personally try to stay engaged or continue to be, you know, abreast of what's going on, or is this easy for you at this point because you've already done what some people would call, I guess, networking at this point? So people might call you just saying, "Hey, something's going on."
1: Yeah, I think some of it is, some of it is the the networking part. So you know, uh, I've I've gathered a relationship with some folks, you know, throughout town, whether they're artists or um, community leaders or, or whatever, and they may say, hey, Q, this thing is happening. Um, and then sometimes it's just, uh, I see something or I hear something, you know, through the grapevine or reading, you know, the the local paper or reading city or, you know, just there's something that comes from it or, You know, I'm like, hey, I think I think a moment might be happening or there's something that's going to be coming up soon and kind of keeping my ear to the ground. Um, But, yeah, really, a lot of it is just just being going back to that being present. Right. Like just what is happening in in the community around you? And for a long time, uh, I didn't really pay attention. Right. The the first, you know, five years or so that I lived here, uh, maybe even a little bit more was just go to work, go home, come home. Uh, okay, what's, you know, what's going on with the family? Are we going out to dinner? Let's go to the museum. Okay, uh, we're in a car, going to Connecticut, visiting some family, and then kind of repeat. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I said, hey, you know, look at all this great stuff happening around town. Um, you know, maybe be involved in some of that. And now I feel like part of my role is, um, you know, informing others that, of the things that are happening in the city, you know, whether they're at a museum or some public, um, piece that's happening whether it's you know art or whether it's um you know protest whatever whatever the case may be
0: not to get you know too personal, but I do believe in some of the stuff that i've I've read about you your your father passed away in twenty nineteen and one of the things that he said to you was, why aren't you doing more creative things yeah um, and then I believe after that if I'm not mistaken you you lost a, a close friend of yours as well, yeah. and that seemed to be the catalyst to you saying, you know, I got to get back into this, what for you at least is so personal about making sure that you continue to push forward and what you've gotten to so far?
1: Uh, I think the the what I learned there, right? So I, you know, I, you know, it started when I was, you know, 15, 16, you know, and even really before that writing and, you know, doing other creative things. But I had this window where I was really involved with creativity. Um, and then, I kind of stopped. I don't know what stopped me. I don't know if it was, you know, life and responsibility and you know starting a family and kids and uh you know just a lot of things and um that that last conversation I had with my father uh which I didn't realize was the last and I don't know if he had kind of some foresight to that. Uh but he said, you know, hey, you should I really appreciate it when you did those creative things, you know. I he's like I admire you as a father. I admire, you know, all of the great things that you're doing. He said, but it was something about the way you were creative that, you know, it's, it was something special and you should never lose sight of that. And I was like, ah, I just don't have time. I remember thinking at the back of my head and when he passed, I was like, man, I, I should make time for, for things that, you know, spark joy and, and, and kind of, you know, allow me to do that creativity. And I remember traveling um, down for his funeral and my sisters were there and they had gone through his, his place and a lot of his personal effects. And they had handed me, uh, this envelope and inside the envelope was all of these articles that had written, um, that he had been saving. Right. So it somehow I, I had sent some of them, somebody had gotten hands on, uh, but he had saved them. And so I was like, man, this is like taking me back to this time where I was doing all of these creative things. And, you know, I remember, uh, I got home and I ordered a, a camera. I hadn't had a camera in, you know, five or six years at that point. So i ordered a camera. I was like, I'm just going to take pictures again. And so I started to take photos again. And uh, when my uh, friend passed uh, a few months later uh, from cancer, I remember both of those um, situations, you know, being at their funeral and listening to people speak about their lives and how much they had lived their lives. And I was like, you know, you know, not to be bleak, but I was like, you know, I don't want to get to you know, my funeral one day and someone's like, well, he went to work, right? Like, what is that? Yeah. You know, like, what what else did I do? It was a good dad. Like, those are great things. But what other things could I, you know, give into to the world? Or did I feel that I was being fulfilled? Um, and so those those two really um, kind of sparked and, and, and really pushed me uh, to continue to to dive into that creative side.
0: Jeez, what a mental exercise there to think about what would people say about you at your funeral and that being. Yeah, it
1: it was so like I remember my father's funeral very vividly. Right. So my father and I had an interesting relationship, you know, Um, you know, he he was a person that was there, um, you know, wasn't always involved. But I then found out how involved he was because he had saved these things. He'd always been keeping tabs on me over the years. But I remember hearing all of these great things about him at his his funeral, about how he lived his life to the fullest, whether it was with reckless abandon or whatever. But he lived it. And I was like, you know, I obviously have responsibilities, but I want people to say, you know, he lived his life. He was out there. He did the things that really gave him joy. Um and, and that inspired me that, you know, even in, you know, after he had passed, it, it was something that I, I thought about and it's something I continue to think about, right? Like I will kind of go back to some of those conversations, um, you know, especially that last conversation and being like, you know, how would he feel that, you know, a photograph or seven of my photographs were in the Washington, Washington uh, Post? You know, how would mm-hmm. he feel that, you know, I've... Kind of gone back out there in in my forties and started to freelance more and write and and take photos. Like, would he would these be clippings that that he would be saving uh, and saying, "Oh, look, there's my son. You can go and uh, search his name, and things will come up." um, You know, for his creativity.
0: Yeah, I that's I feel like the missing piece for so many people today is that extra little push to, and it doesn't have to be creative per se, right? It could be playing a sport. It could be you know building model railroads i don't know well, whatever it is that you're into whatever that little thing yeah, I feel is like that that makes life you is happy. too
1: short and uh, what as we get older i believe we make more excuses for not having the time to do things that make us happy not yeah. to say that having like having a family is something that makes me happy you know being a good father makes me happy but there's also the things um when you think of passion, right? Like those are things mm-hmm. that make you happy too. And you don't want to be like, man, I, I really wish, you know, I, I would have done this thing, uh, but I just didn't have time. And, you know, what were you doing? You know, you you're sitting on the couch, like, were you, you know, you, what were you doing that maybe you didn't have the time? And, you know, I'm mindful of like balancing, right? So like, you know, okay, you know, I, there's family time. Then there's also some me time. And then there's these other, you know, cool things uh, in between, Uh, as well so as to not burn yourself out but you know if if your greatest excuse is you don't have time like just throw that thing out the window right now uh and make time because you know i spoke i you know spoke to my father on the 31st and you know two days later i'm getting a call to say you know he had passed uh and i'd spoken to my my good pal lou uh who we called the flash and you know really in that last uh bit of his life you know after he had been diagnosed with with cancer like he really started to live and he would say i love you at the end of every conversation um and it's just you know you, you never know when when your time's going to come and you know if 2020 taught us anything boy do we have you know you never know what's going to happen and you know you, you don't want to have uh you don't want to live with regret you know yeah.
0: in the yeah yeah how much of uh of that relationship between you and your father, as far as that conversation and and pushing to that also pushes you to continue to do this for your, your family, your kids. Because I, I also think at the end of the day, right. You, although you balance that time between your family and, and, and your passions, it's also important to see, to have them see you pursuing that passion because I think at the end of the day, that's the habit that then gets instilled into them as they get older.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, my youngest son, um, you know, he's out with me sometimes, so he has the opportunity to, you know, um, see when I'm working um, or, you know, kind of enjoying some of the public art or taking photos. And there are times where I've handed him photos. You know, I think there's this there was this really cool experience. You know, we're talking about uh, John and the the, the Waterbury Observer. I did a story for them earlier this year around public art. And so it was like the power of public art or public art matters. Um, But it was really kind of diving into the the power of public art. And it was really talking about my experience here in Rochester and hoping to inspire, you know, Waterbury to kind of jump on to that public art train and what it could do for a community. And one of the photos um, that I chose, you know, they were like, you have to have a photo of yourself in here. So the photo I chose was was a photo taken by my uh, 13 year old. Was like you know it's a photo of me taken by my 13 year old and so he has you know uh, a photo credit and, and a publication at you know 13 and so that was something that was important for me and you know my my daughter uh, you know who moved to Rochester to go to school so attending the University of Rochester um, you know before she got here I was like hey you know there's some things that I do in the city you know I I do some work with the university I do some so you may you know come and you know. To contact with me, you know, as your dad, but also as you know, um, someone who's involved with with things happening around town, and um, you know, she, I think she, you know, maybe is like that's cool, but I don't really care, Dad. I don't know. <laughs> um,
0: sure, but, sure, you know,
1: at least it's out there, and you know, there there's things if if they want to see, um, there's things for them to see or to understand, um, or even just to share with them, whether you know they they get it all right now uh, and understand what I'm talking about right now, or it's something that they see afterwards. Like, Oh, my dad's photograph was here or, you know, you had the opportunity to meet or speak with this person. And that's kind of cool. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, moving into that public art piece, you know, there's also another segue as far as right. Your kids seeing you pursuing your passions is it's the community as well. And when it comes to public art and people investing this much time and effort into you know, wall murals with wall therapy, for example, or Mm -hmm. any of these other number of, of public arts that you've taken, how important for you is it to document that so that other people realize the investment that people are making in this community?
1: I think it's, I mean, I, you know, a huge advocate of, of public art. And, you know, I think of, um, you know, just my experience and my journey uh, with it and how it makes me feel. And, you know, really what I try to do is just share that passion um, and share that awareness of what's happening in the community. And there, you know, there were a number of years where I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know it was here. You know, I'd kind of drive, drive by something and notice a, a really cool uh, electrical box at you know intersection and be like, oh, that's that's interesting. Or you know, you see the backside of a building, and you're like, that's a really nice, colorful wall. Um, but then when I stopped um, to kind of pay attention a little bit, I was like, wow, there's so many other different facets to you know, um, what's happening, whether it's community engagement or uh, spreading awareness or just brightening communities, right? Like just bringing beautiful uh, pieces to communities, whether it's uh, a a powerful um, mural or it's uh, graffiti, you know, just a a level of um, skill that goes into it. So for me, it's been important to document what's happening. So the artist creating is, is important. Like, hey, you know, maybe you can't get down here to see this, but here's the process. So you kind of understand the process. And then sometimes those those finished pieces, and that's where it started for me. It started with photographing finished pieces mm-hmm. um, and saying, wow, look at this cool wall and write a caption. Um, but the the journey for me with how I photograph public art, you know, has changed over the last, you know, two and a half, three years, closer to three uh, years um, now, I started with you know super close. Um, here's a here's a, a a cool mural, but you didn't know what was going on around it. You just see the you know kind of see the mural in your your box on Instagram or Facebook or wherever I was sharing Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, wow, you know I should step back a little bit and kind of talk about the environment that this is in. So I would step back a little bit, and so you would see it kind of. You know, framed in the tree line, or here's a person walking by, so it kind of gives you some scale, or, you know, here it is with, you know, the very small part of the image is the mural, and you can kind of see the rest of the building, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, but it also gave people clues to where it was like, this is, you know, how it is in, in you know, the society and environment uh, in Rochester and how it impacts, you know, different neighborhoods. Um, so that's how it started. And then again, I kind of scaled back, and then I wanted to, you know, dive into documenting what the artists were doing, and one of the first um, that I was able to do was Sean Dunwoody when he painted the Composers Crossing. Um, mm-hmm. I saw an article in a newspaper and was like, "Hey, um, call for volunteers to come down and paint." You know, i had just gotten my new camera. I was like, "Let's give this a whirl," uh, and so I'd gone down, and my intention was to go down for about an hour. Uh, End up being five hours, and um, I, you know basically from the moment the first key went down to the last moment when we were up on the YMCA building, looking down, catching a photograph of the finished crosswalk. And, um, I remember being like, Oh, that's really cool. Went home, you know, filtered through like 500 photos, shared a bunch. Um, and then some of those photos ended up in the the Washington post. Um, because Sean, they were doing a story about Sean. Sean reached out to me, was like, Hey, um, the Washington post needs some photos. But before that moment, I had never even met Sean. Like, that was our first time ever interacting. And when we were done, I was like, hey, you know, if you ever need anything or if you ever have some artwork going on, like, give me a call, uh, thinking maybe he would never call or maybe he would. And three days later, he, he called me, told me about the Washington Post. And then two days after that, uh, he invited me to, to come and photograph some more. And I remember when I showed up to photograph, uh, he was doing MLK Park, with a with a group of volunteers and I remember being like hey yeah I'm I'm Q I'm the guy that shows up with a camera no big deal and he was like I'm going to stop you right there um it is a big deal because if you don't show up with a camera or if no one shows up with a camera to document these moments we don't know what mm-hmm. happened um and so that is something that always stayed in the back of my head what I do I don't think is necessarily special right like anyone can show up with a camera anyone can show up with a cell phone and and collect uh, images, um, but it's important. Right. And so whether it's me or someone else, um, being there in those moments is, you know, is important. And for me, it's been important to, you know, to be there, you know, documenting Sean, you know, going up to the water towers, documenting what they're doing sometimes, you know, um, hanging out with Sarah Rutherford, uh, you know, getting involved with wall therapy, you know, wall therapy had seen a lot of my photographs and they were like, Hey, you know, you already taken photographs of our stuff would you like to be a part of our crew uh so being a part of their crew and you know having you know the ability and, and opportunity to to photograph what they're doing and share uh as well
0: and i mean there's so many different ones that you've done the one that i saw first was the um was the mural of of representative john lewis i believe it's, yeah. was it was i am speaking if i'm not mistaken yep,
1: that's i am speaking yeah
0: <clears throat> and that was with, uh, I think I read, uh, Darius, Darius Dennis, and a few other folks, if I'm not yep, mistaken.
1: Darius Dennis. Darius. Uh, um, I apologize. Uh, Dan Harrington, um, Jared Diaz, uh, Ephraim Cabray. Uh, and so they had come into Rochester. So the my the the interesting thing about I Am Speaking, for me, is it's what most folks um, know, like, that's where a lot of people start you know, there are some folks that started at Composer's Crossing. There are mm-hmm. some folks that started in, you know, kind of some murals in between. But a majority of the the folks really started with uh, I Am Speaking. And so they, these guys had arrived in the town. So Ephraim is from Rochester originally, you know, born and raised, uh, product of Rochester Public Schools. And so he'd come back to, to Rochester with these three other artists and they were on a, um, uh, kind of a tour of doing these, you know, social justice uh, murals. You know, kind of, you know, reaching back to the civil rights era, coming in and kind of connecting it to modern day protests. So the civil unrest and and, and things that were happening around the, the the country. And so they'd come to Rochester and they wanted someone to to document the process. And so I'd gotten a message from Jarrett probably two days before they arrived and said, Hey, we heard that. You're the guy to reach out to to document um, work in Rochester. So would you be available? And so I remember moving basically anything on my work schedule, um, you know, full time work schedule, and being like, "Hey, you know what? I gotta use some vacation time. I'm gonna figure out how to be there with these guys for seven days." And I remember the the first day with them, you um, know, I wanted to I wanted to document the wall before. A, a drop of paint hit it. So I have a photograph before then I have it when it's prime, then I have it when they kind of go through the rest of their process. And yeah. I remember the the first day when they really started to to go to work, I was like, how'd you guys find me? Like, how did, you know, how did my name come up? Uh, you know, I had shared, you know, the, the fundraiser I had donated myself. And I was like, how did my name come up? And, and Jared said, well, Sarah Rutherford and Sean Dunwoody said, you were the guy. And so it, Come from just the time that I had spent with them, and them saying, you know, kind of vouching for me, like this is the guy that come out and and document. And you know, they asked for seven days, and they asked for, uh, I think, what they had initially asked for, like about two hours a day. They're like, if you come out for two hours a day, but I remember spending, you know, at max ten hours um, one day or a couple different days, and you know, I'd shared, you know, kind of the the story on. Uh, Twitter, And then I would take my favorite photos from the day and share those to Instagram. Um, But it became this, you know, this, you know, I just realized how important it was what they were doing. Um, And that was really the huge moment for me and also probably the biggest project that I've, I've documented to to date, you know, thousands of images, um, you know, of that, that mural.
0: And through that entire process, obviously, the timing was, you know, I don't want to say crucial because it's not like they, you know, but but in the space that we were at politically and, and in our society, it was so important. obviously, John Lewis being such a huge, a huge impact in the entire civil rights movement. Do you, as you're going through that whole process with the artists, are you guys talking about things like the mural itself, John Lewis, are you talking about the art itself, the lines, like how you're taking pictures, yeah, the, or is it just a collective thing?
1: There was a lot happening? of stuff going on. It was, it was a lot of really cool moments happening. So the one, there's a couple different, um different uh, significance to, to that space. One, you know, it's on State Street. State Street is where um, there were you know, some pretty big uh, clashes with protesters that September, um, you know, around the death of Daniel Prude and, and some other things. And so here's state street, right? So his murals on, on state street, but it's also, you know, it's just kind of a steps away from where Corinthian hall once stood. So, you know, where um, Frederick Douglass had given the, what to the slave is a 4th of July speech. So here's this other really powerful moment, you know, a block or two over from where Douglas uh, the funeral of Douglas was held. And it's also right, you know, more or less across the street from city hall. And so there have been a lot of, you know, conflict with city hall and um this mural was a you know kind of a loud silent protest um you know here is John Lewis speaking right so I'm speaking it's like this very um stern John Lewis from nineteen I think it's nineteen sixty three uh Danny Lyon image and this John Lewis if the parking garage wasn't there John Lewis would be looking into city hall right and so mm-hmm. you know it was a lot of different conversations that were happening you know, around the importance of John Lewis, but also the importance of protest. You know, different folks came out to to visit Um, the uh, fraternity brothers from John Lewis's fraternity had come out one day, bought pizza, and they came out to tell stories. You know, some that had known John Lewis from, you know, just their interactions, Um, and some younger uh, members of the fraternity that were just inspired by John Lewis's legacy and also knowing that he was a, a fraternity brother. And so there were just these incredible conversations um happening in that parking lot day in, day out. And this is November in Rochester. And so it was like <laughs> yeah. it rained, it snowed, it was windy. Um, and then there were a couple of days where the sun came out and there was this beautiful rainbow. Uh, but there were a lot of, a lot of crazy things happening and you know, these guys in, in seven days like just bought this beautiful photorealistic uh image to to Rochester. And, you know, I think I think about that parking lot a lot because there were a lot of people that I met in that parking lot that, you know, I'm you know, friends with now or have relationships with them now because of conversations that that we had in that parking lot. You know, Dr. David Paul is one of the examples. Um uh he has a coffee line, bold and gritty. And I met him in that parking lot. He just launched Bold and Gritty that month and, you know, come down and shared his, like this incredible coffee with us. And, you know, months later, you know, here's this amazing line. Um, But there were just a lot of moments like that where you were just having a conversation with, with folks. And sometimes the camera was up. I'm snapping some photos. Sometimes, you know, I'm just kind of in the parking lot, you know, enjoying the view and enjoying the, the craftsmanship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there other than I mean, obviously, that particular mural, that experience is probably bar none, one of the most impactful for you as a photographer. Are there any other ones that you could think of that you would pick out of your brain and be like, this was also pretty special, although maybe not as popular?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the Composers Crossing was was really important to me. Uh, you know, that was another one of those like, you know, I'm there really in the, the trenches uh, wanting to capture these these moments. Um, Sarah Rutherford and her mural just a couple blocks away up on exchange on the side of Times Square building uh, stories of strength, you know, um, you know, kind of around domestic violence awareness. That was another powerful one for me. And, you know, I would just show up every few days and snap a couple photographs of of Sarah and she would come down and she would have a conversation with me. You know, she didn't have to. She would just come down and just have these these great conversations. And sometimes they're around what was happening in, in Rochester. And sometimes it was just, how are things going? And, and that was over the course of a, a month. I think that was all of September um, that she worked on on that mural. So able just to kind of stop by. And you know, I think about a lot of, a lot of the murals, um, the art is a, a, a portion of it. What I learned as a photographer is a portion of it, right? So how do I photograph mm-hmm. this and how do I capture it in a unique way? Mm-hmm. Um, but really, above all else is just the the conversations with either people that are passing by or visiting or the artists themselves that, you know, really, um, really inspire me.
0: It's such a unique experience, just even for me to just listen to feels like a unique experience. I can only imagine what it's like being there. And I think that's also part of the point that I need to remind myself of is, is like we said at the beginning, right? Be available, be present, be, go to where things are happening and and amazing things will probably occur, especially in Rochester. But let's talk about Rochester because you're a transplant from Connecticut through New Jersey, DC, and then ended up here by virtue of your, your spouse, correct? Yes. Yep. But you stayed here and most people would <laughs> tilt their head and look at you like what? Yeah. Why here, Q? Yeah. So for you, obviously, Rochester, I mean, you've been a part of the the greater Rochester or Greater Rock campaign. Uh, you you've come up a couple of times in the Rochester City newspaper as, you know, being nominated for best of something. Um, why Rochester for you? What is it that makes this place so unique for you?
1: I'll tell you before before I say why it's unique, I'll I will tell you that All of those accolades um, are amusing to me sometimes and very surprising, but also um, very appreciative, right? So when I open City Newspaper and it says Best Photographer and I'm like, whoa, this is the home of Kodak and we've got some amazing photographers here. Uh, right. That's a that's a humbling moment for me and something I'm super appreciative of or saying, hey, you are, you know, one of uh, Rochester's best ambassadors. Right. And like that, again, yes,
0: is, that's a huge one
1: is crazy to me because I'm, you know, Sean Dunwoody was in that category. Right. And so you're like, "Whoa, right, Sean right. Dunwoody. And like, how am I listed in this category? Um, But even being in that Greater Rock commercial, when they asked me to do it, I said no um the first time and I said no the second time because I was like, I'm not like what am I, why would I be in this thing? And they are like, well, you're, we think what you're doing is important. And I was like, I, I don't know. And it was, you know, to, to mention Sean again, Sean called me and was like, you're doing that commercial. Uh, and that should be that. And so I agreed to do the commercial, but for me, you know, Rochester um, just became a special place. Right. So it was, you know, when my wife, uh, when we, when I came back here uh, with my wife, you know, She's born and raised here. You know, this is where, you know, home base is, this is where her family is, this is where everyone, you know, kind of stays connected. And I remember when we got here, you know, both of us were like, hey, let's let's give it two years, not give our relationship two years, but give the relationship right, with our right, right. two years, right? <laughs> sure, so, sure. To you know, make sure that there's, you know, it's, um, you know, that's the difference. Um, uh, but it's like, yeah, two years, because we were thinking like maybe move back to DC or um, you know, maybe move to Massachusetts or maybe out, you know, it was something, it was somewhere else. Uh And I think we got to like year two or three, or, you know, our son was born at that point. Um, And so, you know, he kind of had a, he had a little scene at three or four and we're like, well, you know, this is important to to have a relationship with, with family here. And if we move to DC, you know, what, what's the connection? Um, You know, who do we have, you know, there is kind of our, our lifeline. Um, And then we started to pay attention a little bit more to some of the the things happening, right? So really cool coffee shops popping up and and really cool restaurants and you know Rochester being like to me like the home of festivals galore, right? So paying attention to some of that. Um sure. uh, you know strong museum. So great opportunities for my son to to have something to do, uh, as well as some other things, right? Like there were a lot of cool things that we just started paying attention to. And then we got to like year five and the the conversation really never happened again um and then i started to pay more attention to some of the things and she started to introduce me to more uh that was happening around town again whether it was food related or um cultural related like we just started paying more attention to it and then somehow i ended up with a camera in my hand and um you know in those early days of taking photographs i would be able to show up somewhere and no one would know anything like who's that guy no one knows he's just taking pictures now I show up somewhere and you know there may be a conversation that happens before and then I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just here to take some photos. Like, you know, that's really at the core. I'm there to enjoy myself, you know, capture some moments and then share it with the share it with the community, right? Like if there's something that is ongoing and you know, I want you to go and check it out yourself, you know, capturing a moment, sharing it. Or, you know, if it's hey, this mural happened, go check it out, or hey, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, that's why I think that ambassador piece came up, I've, there were, there was a point where someone was like, oh, you're like a Rochester influencer. And I was like, don't ever say that word to me. Like, I don't, the influencer <laughs> word just never jives with me. You know, sure, if you sure. want to call me a cheerleader, or if you want to call me an ambassador or uh, an advocate, like those are thumbs up uh, all the way.
0: Well, I mean, when it comes to Rochester, I mean, there's, there's quite a few things you've been involved with but I did see something not too long ago about flower city union fan ownership there. Are you, are you all in on that? Like, can you tell I, me I'm a little a, more? I'm not
1: a, I'm not a, not an owner yet. Um, okay. there was a, an opportunity just to kind of spread some, um, some light onto flower city coming back into town. So, you know, they reached out and they were like, Hey, you know, would you be willing to you know just be in a, a promotional bit, um, for us just to, you know, continue to to spread the word. And, you know, obviously it was Rochester, Um, you know, the pride of Rochester, they have, you know, really cool uh, merch. And so I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm game to, you know, continue to bring positive things back into the city or to, um, you know, elevate some of the great things happening around town.
0: You also had a cutout, if I'm not mistaken, at Frontier Field with your garbage plate jersey on.
1: Oh, yeah. That was, so when that you, was funny um, when, when it happened. I didn't I didn't tell my wife it was happening and then it was on the news. I didn't know it was going to be on the news, right? Like all of a sudden yeah. it's on the news. I'm in Connecticut uh, enjoying some family and I get a bunch of pings from people like, hey, um, you, I just saw you on the news. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm, like, I'm in Connecticut. They were like, no, uh, cut out of you is on the news. And I was like, oh, I... <laughs> So then i go and show my wife and she was like, um, how much did that cost? And why are you like, it was just like this whole funny, uh, (laughs) sidebar conversation.
0: The one thing with the whole garbage plate deal, obviously everybody talks about garbage plates in Rochester, but the one thing that I did read is you saying that if you could eat one Rochester food, it would be the Cali swag burrito at old Pueblo.
1: Yeah. I'm going to add it either be the Cali swag burrito, which is delicious. Um, or it'd be, uh. Poutine from uh, Le Petit Poutine, Le, which is yeah. really right next door to, um, right next door to Oprah Blo. So, you know, it'd be a one, two stop for me, Cali Swag, and then <laughs> pop over next door and grab uh, grab some poutine.
0: Um, I feel like that's yeah, a Cali dangerous Swag like my,
1: It's been my go-to for a while, and uh, I would do a lot of First Fridays, and then after First Fridays would, you know, be over, um, you know, like at nine o'clock, I would just pop over to oh, pray blow. And that would be my go-to like to end the night.
0: Well, I, I appreciate all the time that you spent with me here, Q. I appreciate you answering these questions. As far as the future is concerned, last little bit here, right? What do you feel like is going to be the the, whether it be the next endeavor, the next project, the next thing that you're really thinking about tackling in here in the, in the near or short future?
1: Um, you know, there's a couple of really uh, exciting things coming up that I'm that I'm really excited about. So, uh, starting to freelance, uh, doing some freelance photography work with uh, City, um, City News, City Magazine. Um, you know, so kind of had some really good opportunities. And the the one thing that's been cool about the work that I've done with City uh, is it's not been public art related. So I know a lot of folks over the last year or so. They're like, oh, that's the guy that takes photographs of public art. Uh, but there, there, have been a couple of uh, pocketed opportunities where it wasn't public art. And so, some of the the work that you'll see in city will, you know, kind of show a little bit of, you know, being able to photograph other other things uh, outside of um, public art. Uh, also, doing some freelance writing work with Five Eight Five Magazine. So that's, you know, another opportunity, but also another opportunity to write about not public art um yeah know, i love yeah. public art that's you know kind of my jam that's what i'm passionate about but also i'm passionate about stories that highlight and elevate other folks and so that's what i'm trying to do a little bit of in 585 so talking through you know some some stories that i'm passionate about um you know as well as you know continuing to do some photography work with wall therapy uh have opportunity next year to, to work with um rock paint division so the uh, city run mural uh group for for young folks. So documenting some of their work uh throughout their uh next season, you know, and just really any any other opportunity that comes up, you know, whether it's with a camera or uh whether it's you know with uh you know writing, um, or if it's just an opportunity to to work with young folks. You know, I've had a handful of opportunities to to meet with um students, whether they're high schoolers or or, or grammar school or even uh middle schoolers, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, following your passion, right, following something that makes you happy, you know, capturing moments, you know, documenting what's happening around you. And, and, you know, just kind of really highlighting why that's important. And, you know, talking to a, you know, a nine or 10 year old, you know, you know, maybe they don't understand the the full concept of it. But hopefully, you know, maybe they're, Fifteen, and they have this aha moment, and they walk into a newspaper or they walk into somewhere and say, "Hey, I want this opportunity um, because I want to follow my passion."
0: Are you still working with or doing things with the Cameron Community Ministries? And, there, and are yep, there any yep. other groups that you're working with yep. as well? So I am
1: with uh, Cameron Community Ministries. Uh, I sit on their board of directors, so a great opportunity, um, you know, just to do some some great work, uh, but also spread awareness. Um, Nami Rochester, you know, I've, I've been an advocate of you know mental health uh, resources and advocacy, so you know, continue to, to work with them informally, uh, but also just highlighting their their message, um, and uh, Rock Arts United, which is a um, arts a- advocacy group uh, in Rochester, you know, just kind of getting our um, you know legs under us to you know kind of again art advocacy. Uh, And, you know, kind of bringing, you know, we call Rochester, you know, the the city of the arts or for the arts, like, you know, really Mm -hmm. um, owning that to a a, a greater extent.
0: Well, I look forward to all the stuff you do here. Uh, I know I'll be following you. I was not as aware of 585 Magazine, uh, so I'll definitely be keeping a look out there. And uh, I'm really curious to see what you come up with outside of the public art space, because I feel like there's there's a lot more to offer than just public art from your perspective. So I can't wait to see some of that come out. Absolutely. Thank you again, Q, so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me.